1: There have been plenty of amazing TV shows over the decades, but it's rare when a show really nails the ending, leaving viewers satisfied with the conclusion and wistful for the journey. There have been some truly memorable TV finishes over the years, and now, the Great Pop Culture Debate Podcast wants to determine what is the best TV series finale of all time. You all thought I was the good guy, but surprise, I'm gonna burn the whole world down with my dragon me Kalisi. I'm your host, Eric Resniak. Please welcome my panel for this episode. She'll never forget you, rural Jura. It's Amma Marfo. And I've been living every week like a Shark Week ever since. Mm. You know, Ama, I've always admired your urban fervor. Uh, <laughs> who is that spying on her own funeral?
2: Is that Carissa Claus? Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Ah, oh, crap. You caught me. I just have to say, you're the best.
1: And it may be a long way to Tipperary, but he will always find hot soldiers on the way. It's Kevin Dillon. Oh, I will give you that smile, just like Sue Ann Nivens. Sue Ann Nivens. So, before we get to the debate, how does this work? We made a poll for just about every significant TV series finale we could think of. More than 60 people took the poll. We tallied those votes, ranked the picks by popularity, and added them to a bracket. Now we argue about it and insult each other, all for your amusement. Want to play along at home? You can. Head to greatpopculturedebate.com and go to Polls and Brackets. There you'll find the downloadable listener brackets for this and every episode of our little show. Do your picks match up with ours? Do you think that we should be imprisoned and forbidden from interacting with each other? Let us know by dropping a comment on this episode at our website or by yelling at us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And lastly, if you're curious about how we went from the top 32 down to the sweet 16, become a Patreon supporter of our podcast. Our Patreons at the $5 level or higher get exclusive access to the warm-up slash part ones for each episode in which we work our way through all of round one. It's like a whole bonus episode for each topic and includes arguments you will not hear anywhere else. Now, with that out of the way, let's kick off these debates. First up, the majority of the panel wants to advance Ultimate one Seed The Good Place, to round two. But I may be going to the bad place because I'm pulling instead for the finale of 4C, Downton Abbey. Ama, why is The Good Place finale heavenly? I'll explain why Downton's time should not be in the past, and I'm going to have Ama go first.
0: So, as you'll come to find out over the course of this bracket, one of the things that I really appreciate about series finales is that it is a definitive endpoint. Ideally, the only endpoint, although in some instances we'll be talking about things that have been rebooted or have had continuations. But I think that The Good Place was really thoughtful about this being an ending. And I think especially when you're talking about the subject matter at hand, the idea of it having such a definitive endpoint to wrap up something so intricate and so complicated, I was a really tough feat. And I think that they nailed it. I think they nailed it by bringing in Eastern religion towards the tail end when most of it had traditionally been about Western. I think they nailed it in terms of giving characters the kind of growth that they needed and about giving the characters that really you kind of acknowledge weren't human the opportunity to grow as well. And I think it's going to be hard to try to reboot something like The Good Place, which I think is the point. Whereas Downton Abbey, in addition to other things that I might like better or not as much about the finale keeps going like after the show there were two movies which i think they've said the second movie is now the ending but i like the definitive finalness of the good places
1: yeah and here's the thing i'm not going to win this one and i'm not even going to put up that much of a fight because um i loved the downton finale when it ended i thought it was very satisfying i think that that is a show that had a very passionate fan base and Overall, I think people were very pleased with it. But yes, there has been not one but two films that followed it up. Um, Much like Sex and the City, actually, the first film was generally well received and the second film was not. Um, But I do think that it ticks off all the boxes that you want in a good series finale, which is... The major characters kind of come to a place where everybody's uh, reached an understanding. The Mary-Edith relationship, which to me kind of became the crux of the show in a certain way. Um, and like they they figured out their shit. And, and it was complicated. Like Mary screwed over Edith. Mind you, Edith had also screwed over Mary very early in the season when she found out about Mary killing that man with her vagina. But uh, <sighs> they all worked it out. Everybody got their their man. People who wanted to have babies had their babies. People who needed to find a way to get back into Downton Abbey found a way to get back into Downton Abbey. It was everybody worked out for the best. But I don't think it's going to succeed here because I know the Good Place finale is wildly popular, and especially with this panel. Kevin, are you with Good Place?
3: I cried for 45 minutes straight through yesterday. I am with The Good Place.
1: Okay. And Carissa? Yeah, same. Okay. So we will be advancing The Good Place to round, actually three. I said two, but it's round three. Next, the panel is currently split between two NBC juggernauts, two seed the Golden Girls and three seed the West Wing. Kevin, should a victory for the girls be a piece of cheesecake? Carissa, whip up the votes in favor of West Wing. I will have Carissa go first.
2: So we talked a little bit in the... Warm up part of the episode about how hard it is to do a sci-fi fantasy finale, but I will tell you that the West Wing finale is like the most wonderful fantasy you've ever seen. Because there's such an orderly, congenial, and kind transfer of power from one administration <laughs> to another. What if
3: what a fake news?
2: Right? <laughs> like watching it feel it makes you feel so like wistful for this place that maybe might exist somewhere, but it doesn't exist here. Like it's, you know, it's, um, so it, it makes sense for the series. Like the administrations, we know what the timelines are. Like the the elections are part of the storyline. So it really is like, like of all the shows, maybe the most logical kind of conclusion and timeline. Um, and you know, what, what's lovely about the West Wing finale is that you get, the, the outgoing staff and some of them get to kind of hang on and cool like um, new roles that are steps up or m- more tailored to their interests which is also like a really lovely thing to see for really capable characters that you've come to know and love and then you get a little bit of them reflecting on their time there and kind of you know how things are changing now and then the lovely thing about it is that you get the incoming administration and kind of their awe and reverence, you know, the, the new people taking over the roles are getting the knowledge from the the outgoing people but they're just looking around with big eyes and you know smiles and it's just like a really sweet kind of callback to the beginning and how the show started. So I just love the full circleness of it and it and just how kind it is.
1: Yeah, and it, it's a beautiful send-off to the show. Um, Kevin, talked to me. Speaking of beautiful send-offs, although a little more bittersweet, the Golden Girls.
3: Yeah, you know, so the thing with the Golden Girls end was that B Arthur was like, we're done. And we need to be done. You know, we need to go out while we're on top and... What happens in this episode is you get... You know, Dorothy is often (laughs) the one who they're all making fun of for not finding a man or not being able to get men the way the... Honestly, even her mother can. (laughs) And um, she is tricked into going on a date with Blanche's uncle, Uncle Lucas, played by Leslie Nielsen. And they the two devise a scheme where... Leslie Nielsen is going to propose to her and they're going to get married. They're going to pretend that they're going to get married um, in order to fuck with Blanche, which is hilarious. And then um, the two of them end up starting to fall in love with each other and and having this very sweet relationship with one another and um, they ultimately Actually end up getting married He proposes to her um, There's a lot of great Jokes in this episode And, and again if we're going to Talk about endings that are talked About quite a bit it is a full Fully great episode Of television there's lots of laughs lots of Humor um, my fa- one of My favorite moments is Dorothy saying Oh I love this little Crab it reminds me of my Mother and then she takes a mallet and smacks. <laughs> it. um, it's fantastic. Um and it, it's just such a funny, funny episode of TV. Um and and in the end, um one of I think the saddest goodbyes. Um, that I've ever seen um, in, in in a TV show, and and we'll talk about that quite a bit throughout this of 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 chosen family saying goodbye to one another. Um, and um, my favorite moment is. Um, just the constant Dorothy running back in. She runs in three times. So, so she says goodbye to them and keeps running in through the side door to keep hugging them and saying goodbye to them because she can't let go of them. And um, I I love after the last one where they're all kind of just like looking around, waiting for her to come back and it, it's just so funny, it's so beautiful, it's so touching, and it encapsulates the whole experience of what the Golden Girls was, you know, and who these who these women were and why they meant so much to us as viewers, to each other, and what what it means to be friends with people. Um it, chosen friends.
1: Chosen family, really. Chosen family. Because she, she yeah. says you're all my sisters. You're
3: my sisters. You're yeah. angels, all of yeah. you.
1: It's just Um, so beautiful. It is. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you for that. Uh, Amma, where are you on this one?
0: So I'm going to talk a lot about legacy uh, over the course of this conversation. Like, And a series finale is a good opportunity to reflect on the legacy that a show gave. And when I think about the two shows that we're up against, they're both phenomenal finales that did beautiful things for all the characters that are in them. I'm choosing to advance the Golden Girls because I think long term the legacy that it gave television is far greater so i think a lot about the number of shows that maybe we wouldn't have if the golden girls didn't exist so something like desperate housewives something like sex in the city for better or worse something like girls all came from that um kets who did so much for the office started on here mark cherry who did desperate housewives and why women and Hills started on this show like it it had a significant impact on the TV that followed it. When we're talking about the West Wing, Aaron Sorkin has never been better. That is not a compliment. Everything that he did, <laughs> that he was not good. So, I, I love what the legacy of the Golden Girls has given us. I wish I could say the West Wing gave us more, but so much political TV since then has been insufferable, and nothing that he's done has ever been anywhere near as good, so I'm giving it
1: uh, I may have been the West Wing initially, but I'm I'm shifting it to Golden Girls here. Um, ha, we also did a Best Golden Girls episode for this season. And um, the ending, like that ending, it, it, one of my rubrics is, like, does it lead to a moment that I keep coming back to that really stuck with me? And that ending of the Golden yep. Girls, it sticks with you. It's, it's very emotional, and if, you, if you're if you not moved by it, then, like, I'm dead inside, I don't even know what you are. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, that's three for Golden Girls, which we will advance to round three. Next up, it's one of the all-time classic TV finales in Five seed MASH, versus one of the more recent in One Seed Breaking Bad. Carissa, cook up a defense for Walter White and Bad. I will argue that while suicide may be painless, the finale of MASH hurt quite a bit, and I'm going to, you know what, I'm actually going to go for year since you just went carissa um let me say that i did not watch all of mash i was alive for the back half of the series run but i was obviously too young to watch it at the time including when this final episode aired in 1983 and i would have been five um But calling it a final episode is a bit of a misnomer because the finale is actually five episodes that were all aired as one 2.5-hour movie. That was unheard of at that point in television, and it's still pretty uncommon today for something to get a 2.5-hour finale. The only thing I can possibly compare it to is Sense8, but that hardly counts. It's on streaming. Um, The episode called Goodbye, Farewell, and Amen... This was prestige television decades before we even had a term, prestige television. MASH was a comedy slash drama, again, very ahead of its time, set in a military surgical hospital in Korea in the middle of the Korean War. The writing was strong, the acting was top notch and the final episode, which culminated with the war ceasefire in 1953. Um, as such, the main characters from the series are all preparing to head home to the States after years of living in a literal war zone. The episode wraps up plot lines for most of the major characters, but there are two qu- quintessential moments that it is primarily remembered for number one, which is Hawkeye story arc in which he's forced to confront a repressed memory from a horrifying experience that he had involving the death of a child and two. Hawkeye's farewell from his friend BJ, which ends in the literally iconic Take a Drink sequence in which Hawkeye's copter takes off and the camera swings out to see BJ's message, goodbye, written out in large stones. Even if you've never seen or heard of MASH, I guarantee you, somewhere along the way, you've seen that clip because it is a part of American pop culture history. And so I think this is one of those ones where people who are Gen X and younger have no real idea what mash is. And I understand that, but I do not think you can minimize the importance of this in the series finale Canon. And it's not just that it was massively popular, which we can get it to you, but I'm hoping we can save that till next round. It is also that it was actually very, very good and way ahead of its time in so many ways. With that being said, Chris, I'm going to pass it off to you to talk about breaking Bad.
2: I mean, I agree with you on a lot of what you're saying about mash, but it's also really long and breaking bad is not it is a tight <laughs> episode <laughs> but it is a tight episode it is very tightly written it wraps up storylines i talked about it this a bit in our warm up but it, it's walt walt's storyline comes to a conclusion and really kind of on his own terms but maybe not as on his own terms as he initially wanted um you know there's closure there's taking down enemies there's a lot of tense moments and it's it's really tight and kind of suspenseful which is what the series does it it gives the fans all the things you've been expecting you know and what you've what you want from the show what it gives you the entire series but then it also gives you closure so
1: yeah, um, and I will say that actually af- that MASH doesn't quite give us the closure that I was setting up because it immediately was followed up with a spin-off called After MASH, which uh, lasted for two seasons. It was several of the main characters like working together in a VA hospital back in the States, and it was a disaster. Um, so just FYI on that. Alma, where are you on this one?
0: I'm with MASH because I think that, and again, when you think about kind of like where they're placed on, um, MASH gave us the opportunity to start to really think about what the mashup of comedy and drama could be in a way that I think shows like, Succession benefited a great deal from that. We talked uh, in the warm-up about Barry, and Barry is this spectacular mix of comedy and drama, um, which I have to assume stems largely from the fact that Bill Hader himself is a really big fan of Alan Alda, does a spectacular Alan Alda impression. Oh, it's so Um, good. (laughs) good. It's so good. It's spectacular. But I think being able to recognize, like, what did that enable? And I think Breaking Bad, I mean, we don't really know yet exactly what that is, but I do think that a couple shows that have kind of, like, chased that haven't been able to hit those kind of heights but things like Succession Barry even things like Atlanta and Insecure that play with comedy and drama are able to do so because MASH did it as well as it did so I'm giving it to MASH for that overall impact although I do also acknowledge we might not know yet what Breaking Bad's is but so far it hasn't been as successful
1: sure i will also I don't want to address Chris's uh criticism that it it is so long and and you are right it is super long but i actually think that was really audacious like that was Mm. in and of itself like breaking the rules of tv and being like we're not just gonna do a regular finale we're like gonna make this an event and they did like this again we can get into the actual statistics about how many people watched that thing but like this was a a cultural touchstone for the entire country. And I do think that one thing that MASH has going for it that I don't think anything else on this bracket does is I'm not sure we in the 2020s can understand what the impact of this show that was about military surgeons in Korea would have been having for people who had just gotten through the Vietnam War and a country that was still healing. Like, this was very potent, not just as an entertainment, but I think for a lot of viewers, it was therapy to a certain degree to deal with what they had gone through either themselves overseas or, like, watching the country go through this horrible thing. Like, MASH itself is a really fascinating pop culture relic. And the finale is the kind of height of its power. But uh, Kevin, where are you on this?
3: This is a tough one um, because I actually watched both of these today. Um, So what I'll say here is it's what, one of the things that's interesting at the, in the bracket at this time is, um, I think the vast majority of the shows that are w- remaining, not the vast or a good majority, are comedies. And drama series finales um, really weren't a, a big thing until recently. And, and I say that because even shows that were created in the 90s, which is when kind of quote-unquote prestige dramas were created they didn't end until essentially what is deemed modern tv so that's one of the interesting things about where we're at in this debate and uh, this is I, i i personally think the episode of breaking bad is better my push and pull here is is the cultural relevance of of classic iconic appointment TV and what you said, Eric, and I actually have gone back and forth. I think I'm going to say Mash, but like by a sliver.
1: And, and I hear what you are saying. I'm not going to sit here and argue that the actual content of the Breaking Bad episode is yeah. worse than Mash's episode. I'm not saying that at all. Right. But there's forty years in between them almost. And the yeah. fact that we're even having an episode yeah. from nineteen eighty three yep. in this discussion shows you how ahead of the game it was that that long ago, right?
3: And and to uh, be honest, Mash's the, the 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 big audience numbers made series finales a thing
1: yeah exactly exactly so i'm gonna i'm gonna
3: i'm gonna i'm gonna again it's it's a slight edge to mash but i'm gonna give it to mash i do again i will i'm, I'm definitively saying this for the breaking bad episode is better but sure. the mash episode is moving forward
1: yes Okay, Uh, the majority of the panel wants to report that six seed the Mary Tyler Moore Show is advancing to round three, but Carissa says nope, Leslie nope to be specific, (laughs) and is instead in favor of two seed Parks and Recreation. Amma, throw your cap in the ring for Mary Tyler Moore. Carissa, you are little Sebastian's only hope. Speak on Parks and Recreation. I'm going to have Amma go first.
0: So to the point that we were just making about the testament to Mash being one of the older uh, finales that is on this list. The Mary Tyler Moore Show is the oldest by four years. It ended in 1977. And it is one of those that if you go back and look at it, it's really satisfying conclusions for those characters. Um, Just really emotional. I think I've watched it recently, like probably within the last month, month and a half. And there's just something so clear as you're watching it not unlike the argument that kevin made with the golden girls where it's very clear that the characters are saying goodbye to each other and the people are saying goodbye to each other as well and there's a moment that it's kind of known for its iconic image is the whole group just in this very tight huddle hug in the middle Mm -hmm. of the newsroom Mm -hmm. and no one wants to let go and then at some point someone sniffles and they said like Do we need a tissue? And the whole group just shuffles over to the desk. Somebody picks up the tissues and they try to like disperse them within everybody without letting go. That was an improvised moment. That was that group saying goodbye to their friends and not wanting to let go. And that being the lasting image to me is just, So beautiful. And then again, speaking back to legacy, without Mary Tyler Moore going as well as it is, I don't think you get Parks and Recreation with a strong woman at its Mm -hmm. lead, a workplace comedy with like kind of the inept people and the people that are kind of like unlikely friendships, relationships with bosses. So how could it not? go forward. And I love Parks and Rec. Like if you were to look around my home, you would think I watch no other TV. That's not. (laughs) But there's just something so special about that particular one. And there is a whole wonderful book by Jennifer Keeshan Armstrong about the impact of the Mary Tyler Moore show. If you like reading about TV, I highly recommend it, but I couldn't not move it forward.
1: Thank you. Carissa, do you want to speak on?
2: Man, you should have made me go first. (laughs) Um, I I think I don't disagree with anything that Ama said like that, that image of all of them and hug and also how it's I think Mary Tyler Moore is really funny because Mary's like but they said you guys are fired like I'm not a yes. guy so maybe I still have my job it's really sweet and it's really wonderful and like yeah w- we wouldn't have had a WKRP in Cincinnati <laughs> without right. the show right like that's right Um, but Parks and Rec, it takes the same, like, last day of work, you know, and, like, one last task, we're going to fix this swing, and while Leslie gets the whole gang together and everyone's on board to do it, they're having flashbacks to, you know, times they've spent together, and then we get flash-forwards to... Where they end up, how their careers progress, and um, and and it's like Parks and Rec is one of those shows that's like a funny, ha ha, workplace comedy until it like socks you in the gut with emotion, like when um, they when when there is a surprise wedding, you know, there is some stuff that just like makes your heart just like sing, um, and makes your eyes, you know. Uh, have liquid fall out of them (laughs) and the finale kind of like treads that line and gives you some of both and it just it's very much on brand for the series Um, I as you'll find out like part of my rubric is like closure and I also really appreciate if we get a glimpse into the future timelines of people so this is really satisfying for me
1: Uh, Kevin where are you on this oh Mary Tyler Moore hands down yeah, I, I am. Wow. Okay. It's, sorry. It's funny, like, it's, I, I agree sorry. with it. And, and I love Parks and Rec, but I don't know why this finale just did not, even though it was like genetically engineered to, to delight me, like for maybe it's because it felt so like formulated I, for that. I, that's that a did,
3: great way to put it, Eric, honestly. And I think that's ultimately my problem with it, too. Like, they go into like the Billy Eichner character, and I'm like, I don't. Care about him, like I hate to say like that, but like there's just like it just feels very genetically engineered, and the Mary Tyler Moore show just it's just a boom, boom, boom. It's just like a quick twenty five minutes, uh, and you're like, wait, I'm crying at the end.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Can I well, bring with up that- one additional point about that? Always, yeah. So, so Parks and Rec, and I just had to check to see when it ended. Mm-hmm. It ended in twenty fifteen. And it ended in like the spring of 2015. So we were like into that yep. election cycle already. Yep. I can't ignore the fact that like, It was very cheerful, and it was very sunny, which I maintain is solidly within the DNA of the show, and that is a positive. But I also think that in that particular moment, it was really hard to be optimistic about politics. So it was Mm -hmm. the kind of thing where it felt almost naive for it to be that cheerful, because we could see Mm -hmm. something very different than the characters in that reality. That's such a good point. And the more that I watch it now, the more I feel that way. Like, I loved it in the moment, but I also was just like, but what about – and, like, just looking out the window and, like, around things. So I wonder if that might be part of why it felt too cheery is because we lived in a universe where that kind of cheer wasn't present.
2: And it definitely hits different now. It, yes. it feels It feels like the West Wing. It feels like fantasy, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, that being said, Mary Tyler Moore will be advancing. Parks and Rec is out. Next, the panel is split between two finales with debate-provoking finales. Eight-seed Bojack Horseman and five-seed The Sopranos. Ama, spur the Gallup poll for Horseman. Kevin, put Bojack in the Pine Barrens and bring the win for The Sopranos. And I'm going to have Kevin start first.
3: Probably one of the most controversial finales to be on this list. There are a couple obviously, but this, I, I th- this was the finale. I, the, uh, this show ended in 2007. And I remember watching this finale. I was, uh, I just graduated from college. I went and interviewed for a job. Uh, and I remember, uh, flirting with someone who interviewed with me. Um, love that part of the story. Um, And um, I remember going home and watching this show and watching this finale. And I remember um, being like, oh, this is great. This is all, like, and then the cut to black happened. And like everyone, I think, in the country who was watching this show, I thought my power went out. Yep. And um, it didn't. And it had just cut to black. And everyone, it was one of the first shows where the online discourse took up and were, like, pissed about what this was and why it happened. And it's, in a way, since been reclaimed because, you know, people just didn't have the tools to understand what was happening. So a lot of what is happening in this episode is, like, blowback from... uh, People being killed, uh, the the fam- the core family being forced— I well, again, another show I watched today, uh, or another episode I watched today— the family being forced into a, a, a kind of a safe house for a little while and navigating, again, every aspect of the push and pull of what was happening with all these different families who were being investigated by the FBI, which was a theme throughout the whole entire show of these families being— investigated by the fbi and but but i think what makes the sopranos ultimately a good show is is the family and the family dynamics the show was about a family and the dad happened to be a mob boss like the 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 profession of this man and what was going on in his life was was obviously a big piece and what was the draw Um, but in the finale you've got Oh, the show is fully centered on the core four, Carmela, Anthony, Anthony Jr., and Meadow, navigating everyday life aspects of what is happening with them. Anthony Jr. is navigating being a wayward person. In fact, he talks about um, joining the military. He talks a little bit about oil, a lot about oil. He's watching clips of... Uh, w bush um he says he aspires to be a helicopter pilot for trump um it is a really fascinating time capsule and a really fascinating family drama ultimately at the end and i think what you see at the end is them all going to meet at dinner and this it's not a diner, because New Yorkers and New Jersey folks wouldn't call it a diner, other folks might, but a diner-adjacent restaurant to have dinner with one another, and um, uh, Tony is the first to arrive, and I think my, one of my favorite shots of this finale is Tony entering this restaurant, looking, and seeing himself sitting down, and it cuts back and forth pretty quickly, and, and you then see him waiting for his family to arrive. So the first to arrive is Carmela, and then you get Anthony Jr., and then you're waiting for Meadow to Parallel Park. And like I understand this very well. I'm a bad driver. I, too, would take about three or four tries to Parallel Park. Um, and you get this moment at the end where again don't stop believing is playing and and it fully brought that song back before even glee came about to to be in the lexicon and it, you see all of these like people surrounding them in the diner this core family this family who we've followed for Six seasons, uh, technically it's seven, 6A and 6B exist on, on HBO, and you follow this family who's fascinating, interesting, dynamic, a- a- and, and, and navigating the complex issues of masculinity, being Italian, therapy, and, and all of these different moving pieces, and the show just cuts to black, because... Why do we need to like why do we need why we care about them so much? For me, what makes this a great finale is is we 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 love this family so much and and the core four, we see them in their final moments together. And that's what makes this family good because they're such an interesting group of people, and you're just watching them live their daily life and navigating the the minutia in the background. And the minutiae in the background is tangential, It's about these four people who we've cared about for a long time, and some of the side characters too, because you know, they're great characters characters as well the show is just a fantastic show and it had a very cool ending in a very unique
1: way but do you think he died at the end is that what you believe happened i don't if if the
3: showrunner doesn't tell me what happens at the end i don't hypothesize i'll say that and i i think you could look at it as him dying because One of the things, one of the characters at the end pops into the restaurant right before Meadow. He sits at the counter, and he kind of has a cop vibe to him or an FBI vibe to him. He sits at the counter, goes into the restroom, almost like The Godfather, where you're going Mm -hmm. into the bathroom to get the gun and Mm -hmm. and kill someone, and he may not even be a cop. He may be another mob person because Phil gets shot out in public in this episode. And... (laughs) then gets run over by a car. His head gets run over by a car um, while his two grandchildren are in the back seat, um, baby grandchildren. And, and like, you don't know you, yeah, it's very wild. It's a very David chase scene. Like it's um, and you, so I think the thing that's fascinating about this ending is as you don't know, and there's so many, It's a choose-your-own-adventure of what you want to do with this ending. And that's what makes this ending great and fascinating.
1: And infuriating for some people. And
3: infuriating. And being angry is good.
1: Yeah. Uh, (laughs) All right, Ama, talk to us about, uh, I was going to say Little Sebastian, but it's (sighs) the Horseman, who's basically the Pokemon evolution of Little Sebastian.
0: (laughs) Well, isn't that a horrifying thought? (laughs) Little Sebastian. I was thinking a lot about this during Kevin's argument, and it occurred to me that both shows are dramas about main characters that are struggling with things pretty significant that are also six seasons. And I would say that within that six seasons, a lot of dark things happen in both places. Yeah. Um, I think that The Sopranos chooses to end it. They don't equivocate. I'm not going to say it's unequivocal, but I'll say they don't equivocate. Like it doesn't really end with a sense of like hope or despair because it just ends. And I think that with Bojack Horseman, that was going to be a profoundly difficult thing to end. Hopefully. Yeah. And I think, over the course of the show, that was going to be a profoundly difficult thing to do because it started as this thing that was really silly and about this world of animals. And there are all these rules about how those animals do and don't behave. And there's a lot of wordplay. Eric, I'm sure Raphael Bob Waksberg would have really appreciated your Gallup poll pun to introduce this. <laughs> um, and, then it, and then it turned into this really interesting meditation on like happiness as a concept. Is it something we can achieve? How do you bring the people in around you with that? If there are people who are stunting your happiness or keeping it from realizing its full potential, how do you get into that space? The Sopranos deals with those things too. But I think that Bojack managed to overcome some pretty significant stuff to find a way to feel at least a little bit hopeful about that. And I will always love that about this finale, not to mention the difficulty of doing that within The framework of adult animation, which I think is something that people tend to not take very seriously. And most other entries in the format don't necessarily do that very much. Um, Rick and Morty was just getting started around the same time as this. And I would argue they took some permission to go a little bit darker and take a little bit more emotion into it as Bojack Horseman developed into what it was. So... I got to pick it because they did a tough thing and they decided we're going to try to end this on an up note. And the Sopranos kind of didn't make it. And it is a choice to not make that choice. But BoJack Horseman chose something different and I admire them for doing it.
1: Have you seen the theory that BoJack actually died in the penultimate episode and that the last episode is basically BoJack in the afterlife?
0: I have seen that, yeah.
1: Do you agree with that theory or do you think that's bullshit?
0: I don't agree with it. I think it's a way to go, but ultimately, I I choose to believe that he took that as a cue and was able to do all of those things within the course of his life. I think either are possible, but I choose to take it at face value. Again, like Kevin, like the creator doesn't say otherwise, and I choose to take him at
2: face value. Yeah. So if you watch the penultimate episode all the way through, through the end of the credits, the, the heart monitor that's just giving a line starts to beep. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So I feel like that's the show telling you for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Carissa, your vote. Hmm. Uh, this is tough, but I'm going to say the Sopranos.
1: Okay. So even if I were to vote for BoJack here, It doesn't matter because it's two for The Sopranos, which is a five seed and Bojack is an eight seed. So The Sopranos will move on. But thank you for that argument, Ama. Next six seed, The Leftovers seems poised to vibrate into the next plane of the debate, but Kevin thinks seven seed, The Office, has at least one more ream of paper to deliver. Kevin, explain why you feel God is in this Chili's and speak on The Office. I will warm up The Leftovers. And um, (laughs) I'll go first since Kevin went last time. And uh, we talked a lot about The Leftovers in part one. I will just say that it walks an interesting tightrope the finale for the show in that it gives the viewers answers that they've been looking for since the very beginning of the show, specifically what happened to the departed. Uh, But you're not entirely sure that those answers are believable because they're coming from a narrator, Nora, who is far from reliable. Um, But the, the viewers like Kevin have to just take faith that she's telling the truth. And for a show that is really all about faith and grief and acceptance that's fitting. It's just, okay, this is this is what it is. This is what it's telling me. I just have to believe this because I have to ultimately move on. And as a viewer, you have to move on, too. Um, the performances in this episode are just absolutely amazing. In particular, Justin Thoreau and Carrie Kuhn, whose Nora unexpectedly became a core character of the show after really starting out as completely tertiary. Um, it, it is a haunting and moving finale, And I just don't think there was a better way to spend, send off this very special show. Kevin, talk to me about the office. Again, this is one where I'm good
3: losing. um, But I will say that I do think the office finale is excellent. I, I, we came off a a season that was pretty terrible. Um, Ed Helms was poised to replace the Michael Scott role and then was filming the the hangover through most of the final season the hangover three unfortunately um like insult to injury yeah yeah through most of this season and um it actually really caused the writing staff to have to kind of shift quite a bit of things and made for a pretty messy final season with a lot of the Pam and Jim drama, which I think is some of the worst stuff, honestly, I've ever seen on TV. It's just really not my thing. But you you end up in, a, in an episode. I'm so glad there was almost a Dwight spinoff where he was about to yeah. have his own show. And thank God they scrapped that because... It allowed us to get to this place in this finale where Dwight and Angela end up together and you're at their wedding and you've got uh, some fan favorites returning uh, to the office who had left the show. Mindy Kaling, BJ Novak, uh, Steve Carell returns for a lovely that's what she said joke and. Um, Uh, You have a a, a beautiful wedding, and then you have a great Q&A where they talk about the... So one of the things about uh, a lot of modern shows is you get these, like, docu-style comedies, and uh, The Office actually talks about it. I think they're one of the few shows that actually, like took the format and then kind of explains what was happening, uh, with intentionality. Um, and I, I think one of my favorite jokes from the last episode was, uh, an, uh they were at a and a and a panel screening and someone was like, does anyone have any problems with the way they were portrayed? And, and Meredith was like, yeah, I do. Um, I was actually, uh, working on my master's through most of this and no one showed that, but they showed me partying, but Hey, it's college. Um, <laughs> and it's just, it's such a great joke. Like, um, you get some great guest stars. You get Ed Bagley Jr. and oh god, who played Ellie Kemper's mother? Was it um Joan Cusack? It was Joan Cusack. Joan Cusack. Yeah, yeah. Um, a- a- and you just get this like lovely end for her character finding her family. Um, you, you, the show ends on an incredibly delightful and sweet note, and and I think. It, it just, um, it it is for a lot of us, our generation, what the Mary Tyler Moore ending is ultimately, um, and it is very good. It is a very, very, very good ending, um, and I and a lot of us love those characters, and we got a good finality to them.
1: Carissa, where are you on this one?
2: Um, I'm with the leftovers, and AMA. I'm with the office.
1: All right, so that means the office is a 7-seed. Leftovers is a 6-seed, so the leftovers would continue because it's wow. a solid decision. Wild. I, yeah. That is wild. That is wild. Whoa, I, I, I love it. I'm surprised as you, as you are. There's the twist ending. Oh. Uh, the panel is evenly split between five seats Seinfeld and one seat six feet under. Ama act as the defense in the case against Seinfeld. Carissa put on that Sia track okay. and provide a soul killing montage in honor of six feet under. I'll have Carissa go first.
2: Yeah, good luck. No, I don't need it because this is one of the most amazing hour and twelve minutes of television that's probably happened in you know my lifetime. Um, There's a lot to say about the episode, but uh, there's a lot about this episode that is different. From what has come before it, uh, it starts with a birth versus every other episode starting with a death or sometimes just a corpse. Um, and then, I mean, we can talk about the episode, but we're really just going to talk about the final 10 minutes, right? Like the Sia song with Claire driving away toward New York without a job, but Nate you know, in her mind saying, you can do it. I did it. Mom unfroze the money. um, And she puts in the CD from the guy that she's sort of into, but just met, but like, they're not going to reconnect for a long time. So we find out and, um, and drives away. And then the show gives us the thing it has been giving us the entire series, which is a death date for every single significant person in this. And so you get, You get all of their fate, like not just a flash forward like we've seen with a lot of other episodes. You get all the way to the end. You get to see significant moments and you just cry through the whole like last. I can't even hear this song without, you know, shaking or something because it's just it's all so intertwined and it's it's so emotional and it's so fulfilling and sad and bittersweet, but also lovely to see. How these people's lives actually shake out, uh and it's it's some of the most you know it's one of, it's spoiler, it's my favorite um I think it's the best series finale to ever exist, but I think that those ten or twelve minutes of television are top notch
1: yeah, uh talk about an emotional journey uh Am talk to mm-hmm. me about Seinfeld
0: there's no bad choice here, and I cannot speak ill of the Six Feet Under finale. I completely agree with Carissa in the sense that, like, it has taken... It It does something so beautiful for all of those characters. And yes, Breathe Me by Sia will break just about anybody at this point. And it was already a stunning song, but my god, just being able to associate those two, just always bring those things up. So two things that I will say in favor of Seinfeld. One it too has this really beautiful full circle ness of it in the sense that the. So essentially, the two part finale is them being on trial for not following through with a Good Samaritan law, and you get to see every not everybody, but like a really solid highlight reel of the seven seasons of people they've treated like shit the whole time, <laughs> just, getting to, just getting to go in court and just speak their case about why we know these people are awful, but we followed them the whole time. And you get two episodes to just hear everybody that's interacted with them be like, no, they're awful. Like, <laughs> So like, as they're in jail, this conversation between George and Jerry starts about like, what is the ideal place to like, open and close a button on a shirt like how far down should you button it how far up should you button it and that's how the show starts the first episode starts with that conversation so it's this in the same way that every episode of Seinfeld kind of brings itself full circle the whole series brings itself full circle with that Now, the second piece I want to bring for it is kind of an offbeat theory, but it is something that I really hope comes to fruition. I think I've talked about it on the show at some point before, but if I haven't, I'm bringing it up now. I am strongly, strongly of the belief that when It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia comes to its conclusion, a beautiful way to end that show is just a shot-for-shot remake of the Seinfeld finale, but with It's Always Sunny characters in the place of the Seinfeld characters. And it would check all the way out. Absolutely. So... I think that it's powerful in the sense that like it's enabled a lot of other shows like it to exist so much so that one could very much end exactly like it and it would be immensely satisfying. Absolutely. So that's a statement in its defense and then a wild fan theory that I hope comes true. So if anybody knows Rob McElhinney, tell him I have an idea.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't think Sonny will ever end at this point. It's just going to keep going. Um, Kevin, where are you on this?
3: So I have Six Feet Under going forward with that set. So I have watched that last 10 minutes of the episode many times. I think it's beautiful. I think it's brilliant. I think it's the best thing ever. The problem is, is I don't remember the rest of the episode at all. Usually.
2: I can tell you all about it. No, I know,
3: I know, I know, I <laughs> know, I know, I know, I know. And and I, I watched it and it is a very good episode of TV. It's, 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 it's just, I often think about the last 10 minutes more than the entire episode. And I'm like, does that delineate anything for me? Um, because that whole Seinfeld episode is just hilarious and stupid and messy and funny and... Uh, and again hated for stupid reasons cuz it is it is a perfect seinfeld episode in reality cuz it's 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 just them with on trial for all the shit they've done um
1: I may switch. Well, I'll tell you, even if you do switch, it doesn't matter because you're I'm doing six, feet, six under. feet under. Okay. So I'll fine.
3: stick with six feet under
1: then. Okay. So that's a one seed, So it would advance. Finally, yeah. in round two, it looks like we may have a unanimous decision as six seed Newhart would like mm-hmm. to buy two seed mad men, a Coke and then send it right out of the competition. Um, is anyone changing their vote here? I am. Kevin? I okay. am. uh Carissa. I- I'm Mad Men. Are you Mad Men? Okay. Uh, Yes, I would be.
0: What do you have for me? Newhart?
1: I have you as Newhart?
0: Yes, I will stick with that.
1: Okay. I have to say, I actually think I'm switching my vote to to Mad Men. And if you didn't listen to part one, I was like, I, I... when we first did our, our brackets on this i was Newhart because it has that like well it's one of the best finales of all time thing going on to it which it is legendary in that respect but having recently rewatched it i was like this is to kevin's point about six feet under that had 10 great minutes new Heart has about 145 <laughs> and the rest of it is just inanity um yeah. But uh, so th- I, does that mean we are officially switching to Mad Men? Because we are. b three. Can for I ask Mad a Men. question about that? Of course. Yes. So I think the challenge
0: with New Heart is the type of comedy that it was doing isn't something that we have a great analog for right now.
1: I agree. And mm-hmm. I think
0: that in some cases, there's a sense of like recency bias in favor of Mad Men because it's happened closer to it and it happened in the context of a lot of other things that we already understand and it is not by any means to diminish mad men as a finale it is one of my favorite shows and i regularly to the point about like slow TV and like having patience with things, I am bullish about getting people to be patient with Mad Men because I strongly believe that it pays off. I just worry about New New Heart being discounted because we don't have a way to understand it with the kind of comedy that's coming out right now. Whereas Mad Men has a lot of other things in its orbit that make it easy to interpret. I don't think that should change anybody's answer. I just want to pose the question.
1: No, you're so, I think you're correct. I think you're absolutely right. It's like the Commedia dell'arte of 1980s sitcoms. Like it is its own weird voice. Then there is nothing else like it right now. Uh, but that being said, having just rewatched it versus mad men, um i mean mad men it does have it's daring in the way that it ends it's another ending that you have to interpret it's not very matter of fact um but um new heart did something and twisted the what you could do in in a family and that is why it is legendary for it for all these years um that being said if kevin and Carissa are both on Mad Men. It doesn't matter because Mad Men would advance. So,
3: yeah, uh, to your point, Amma, quickly. I, I watched both of these as well today, and I, I hear you on the recency bias and the comedy stylings of Newhart. I I just was more compelled with the Mad Men ending. And as someone who also like you loved that show, I, I do. I do think the ending is super interesting because I think what it does is it actually does something also super interesting and poses people to miss again, completely mistrust the main characters point of view, Um, especially as the the show ends with uh, the manipulation of positivity. And I a hundred percent am here for that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Carissa, you're sticking with Mad Men. Yes. Okay. So Mad Men is going to move forward, but nobody has ever in the history of the world done a better job of defending Bob Newhart than Amma has in this and in part one. So kudos to her. Yes. Uh, With with that being said, that's the end of round two. We're going to take a quick break to testify against a quartet of misanthropic New Yorkers. We'll be right back after these messages. And we're back for round three of our best TV series finale debate. All of our round two was just a dream. And we're now going to go back and continue a debate we started years ago and that people will all pretend they liked better. But before that, I want to ask my panel, how can people find you on social media? Ama?
0: I am on Twitter and Instagram at Ama Marfo, talking way too much about TV. So please engage me there. I would love to chat, unless you're mad, and then keep it to yourself.
1: (laughs) Yeah, You can come and yell it to me that's the case. Carissa?
2: Yes, I'm on Twitter occasionally and Instagram a little more often at Carissa Kloss.
3: I am on Twitter at ET Kevin's mind. I love talking TV on there as well and have some pretty strong opinions, shockingly. So look forward to chatting with you there.
1: Strong opinions? Kevin, never. Never. (laughs) Rue, never. (laughs) Rue, never. And you can find me at Eric Resniak on Twitter and Instagram or just message at Great Pop Culture Debate on Insta and at Culture Underscore Debate on Twitter. We have also added TikTok, so follow at Great Pop Culture Debate on there for our hot takes on music, TV, and film. Now, let's move on to round three before it's revealed that, duh, we were really dead all this time and it's been purgatory. So, uh, first up, the Elite Eight. It's good place versus golden girls uh i'm gonna go around the horn ama where are you on this one? Oof. Yep. i know good place okay yeah uh carissa good place kevin good place i'm not going to disrupt the flow so we'll go ahead and unanimously move good place into the final four mash versus the mary tyler moore show it's unfortunate that our two kind of older shows are pitted against each other but i'm gonna start with kevin what do you got Oh, Mary Tyler Moore, hands down. Mm, All right. Uh, Carissa? I'm going to say Mary Tyler Moore. Okay. And Ama? Mary Tyler Moore. Okay. I would have said MASH. And we never did get to the statistics about MASH. But, like, Mm -hmm. it's important to understand, I think it was 105 TV sets, but 120 million viewers. It is the only show, I think, in the history of the United States to break a 70 share. Um, It was, like... There has never been anything, and I don't think there ever will be anything. There that can't will be, be as the way that TV yeah. built now. It, can, it is an in, it's impossible, an un, unreplicable task. Yep. So it will go down in history as the most watched finale of any show ever. Does that mean it is better? Not necessarily. And I think the arguments against it are bloated from Carissa, um, uneven storylines from Kevin. Yep. And can, I make,
0: can I make two additional points about it?
1: You sure can.
0: So... I think it's also worthwhile to note that, like, within the orbit of when MASH existed originally, it was being fairly recently adapted from a film. So people were accustomed to sitting with it for a long time. Um, I'll also say that, like, understanding that to the point of not being able to replicate those finale numbers, people watch TV in a fundamentally different way right now. So it feels long to us at two and a half hours because short of something like the last couple episodes of Stranger Things, TV does not run that long. We are not used to it so again that's another piece of it that just we will never get that back so i think it is exceptional for those two additional reasons like there was more patience to sit with it and the source material was longer so people were accustomed to that
1: agreed agreed so that being said mary tyler moore is going to advance next sopranos versus the leftovers i'm going to start in the middle with carissa
2: sopranos ama
0: when coming back to which ones, like, I look forward to watching, like, next week, next month, I would say The Leftovers more. Than-
1: All right, Kevin. Sopranos. I- I'm also giving it to The Sopranos just from the um, the cultural, like, what just happened moment mm-hmm. was so resonant within, like, it, it eclipsed. Even if you didn't watch The Sopranos, you knew that that show ended because everybody and their brother was just like... The HBO went out on my cable. What's yep. going yep. on? Yes. Yep. <laughs> I gotta got the bada bing. You know, that's that's <laughs> terrible. My boyfriend's gonna dump me. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, so that's the that's three for the Sopranos, one for the leftovers. Finally, the Elite Eight, it's six feet under versus Mad Men. I'm gonna start with AMA. Oh my god.
0: Oh boy. <sighs> um <laughs> Madmen, but it, you can hear how stressful that just was
1: yeah <laughs> uh carissa six feet under kevin six feet under i mean it's six feet under sorry Yama
0: i've been here before and i'm used
1: to (laughs) (laughs) this. okay i do love the fact that we have two comedies on the left side of the bracket yes i was just gonna say that on the right side of the bracket Mm -hmm. that's actually incredibly balanced thanos would be proud uh (laughs) different different bracket um but before we get into those final four matchups we are going to take one more quick break as we awaken every latent slayer of this generation we'll be back right after these messages And we are back with our final four for the best TV series finale. It is the Good Place versus Mary Tyler Moore versus the Sopranos versus Six Feet Under. Uh we're gonna start Good Place versus Mary Tyler Moore. I need a vote from Kevin.
3: This is painful. I watched these back to back yesterday and it put me in such a terrible headspace because I was so <laughs> devastated by both of them. Uh, the I'm gonna say this very quickly the moment in the end with Ed Asner where he breaks oh, really God. really hurts me so much and where he says to them I treasure you people it just... It is the blueprint for the modern sitcom ending in such a very funny way. And I think the thing that I want to also just quickly say about this ending is what is so great about this episode is they all expected Ted Baxter to get fired and everyone else gets fired (laughs) and he stays. And he asks them originally to quit on behalf of him and he refuses to quit on behalf of them. And it is just such a great ensemble. You get Cloris Leachman and, um... Uh, Harper. Mallory Harper, thank you, back again. And um, you get everything that's great. Ah, this is so painful because I literally love both of these episodes. I'm going to throw it to Mary, Mary Tyler Moore, though. I am. Okay. All right. Carissa.
2: I'm going to go with The Good Place. And AMA.
0: I was very nearly going to give it to the good place. It is one of my favorite finales of one of my favorite shows in modern history. And then Kevin said the Ed Asner line and I teared up and that's a powerful thing to be able to do. And it happens every single time that I watch it. So I have to give it to Mary Tyler Moore. God, that's powerful.
1: I could hear you tearing up through your, through your microphone. Yeah. Um, I'm also giving it to Mary Tyler Moore, and I think that part of it is recency bias with Good Place, which is not to detract from it or the show. I think a lot of people would say to you that it is one of the most impactful finales of the last several years. It's spectacular. But the Mary Tyler Moore show is the oldest finale on this list, and it is still in this running, and I think that has to be uh, acknowledged. But uh, I think Kevin did a great point there. It is the blueprint for all other sitcom finales. Would you have a Good Place finale without a Mary Tyler Moore finale? I don't know
2: no i will say though they are seeded very differently oh for sure they are but i think that
1: most of the the older shows did not seed well and i think that's that comes down to recency bias i really do so yeah
2: but still i think it's worth acknowledging that the good place is the number one seed in all of the voting absolutely correct you're you're absolutely
0: right and i do i do think that honestly to tie the two together i do think that without a show like the mary tyler moore show you don't get to a place where you could do something like the good place because the good place in its core is it becomes a workplace comedy not unlike the mary tyler moore show and then like smaller stops along its um like development like i think about a character like ted baxter you don't have a michael scott without ted baxter that's true and michael scott of the office that's where Mike Shore came from, who got the ability to do the good place from it. So I do think that they're very tightly connected. Um, it's it's an awful choice to have to make because they're so good for such different reasons.
1: Right. I think that's a, a well put that it was the ultimate number one. But I, I think in the immortal words of uh, Naomi Smalls, Life's not fair. So um <laughs> all right. We're moving on, Mary Tyler Moore to the final two. Next it's Sopranos versus Six Feet Under in an HBO SmackDown. I think these two were actually literally on the air at the exact same time. Yes. Uh let's start with Ama.
0: I like a definitive ending, so for that reason I'm giving it
2: to Six Feet Under.
1: Okay. Uh Carissa. Uh
2: same all around and six feet under. And Kevin.
3: This is tough. I I think I'm also going to go with 6 feet under just because I think it is um, the end has more emotional umph ultimately. Like it's there. And and I know I said this in this episode that I don't remember the early parts of the episode. I don't, the only thing I remember really ultimately in everything in The Sopranos was the cut to black. Like that, that was the one thing I remembered. Whereas in, in Six Feet Under, I, I remember the emotional heft of the episode. So I'm going to go with Six Feet Under.
1: Um, I'm also giving it to Six Feet Under. And I think I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but I feel like The Sopranos finale, it is charged to pay uh, it, it is chiefly for the storytellers to tell the story they wanted to tell and it ends for the characters and i feel like the six feet under finale it's about the characters but also the viewer in a way that the sopranos is not it is um giving everybody closure and uh not just the characters on the show but for the viewers at home like you've been on this journey with them and now you need to see logically how it all ends so i give it to six feet under um so final two mary tyler moore versus six feet under um couldn't be more different i love it uh let's start in the middle with carissa
2: six feet under uh ama
0: mary tyler moore
1: kevin
3: I'm also going with Mary Tyler Moore. I'm changing my final prediction, which I had as six feet under and, and having watched both. I'm going with Mary Tyler Moore.
1: I'm going with six feet under here. And I will tell you why it's because uh, we wa- this was like 2003, 2004 about. Mm-hmm. So we're talking almost 20 years ago. I can still feel the emotional gut punch I felt watching those last 10 minutes, I was weeping openly. Mm-hmm. And like I can still t- touch that. I can still touch that emotion. And um, that's impressive TV, which is not to say that Mary Tyler Moore is not. And I've spoken a lot about how I think like it was the root for so much of the of the what we discussed tonight. But I think that six feet under is really an achievement and even as i'm saying that mary tyler moore is the root of all the stuff that i just talked about was six feet under like Mm -hmm. it was that emotional core yeah
0: and i don't want to be additionally emotionally manipulative but mary tyler moore show ended i believe we said 1977 so that is at this point 45 years ago at this point and we just lost the last of like the character regulars this year and i say it, character regulars as a first as opposed to the full cast because john amos who had a recurring role earlier on is still alive but that that iconic final huddle we lost the last person in that this year yeah so if you've watched it within the last six months as i have it's gonna snap you in half like my god it's Beautifully done, but like that additional heft of like we very literally cannot get this back. uh Oh my gosh, it'll it'll hit you good.
1: And allegedly, they are working on a six feet under reboot. So they are, yeah. So they there's are. that.
2: So if you let but, so, right. but also, I just heard that Lauren Ambrose was cast at. In yellow jackets,
1: yellow jackets. yes, yes. as that. adult van.
2: So, I mean, we have we have six feet under to thank for that. I feel like oh, for sure, for That's sure, true. we do. So, I believe it's currently three to
1: one, six feet under. um I think this yep. is actually a great no, final two. Two to two, is it two to two? Yep. Yeah, because you, Kevin, you were Mary Tyler Moore. Yeah,
3: I switched
1: to Mary Tyler Moore, and yeah. I switched to Mary Tyler Moore.
3: Oh no, Amma's Mary Tyler Moore as well. I'm Mary Tyler right, Moore as well. So it's three to one for oh, wait, Mary Tyler Moore. Oh yes, yes, yes. Oh okay,
1: that's okay. Oh, I thought you said, I thought you said six feet under. Oh, uh, I'm oh, sorry. I'm crazy. I'm sorry. Um, COVID brain. Uh, but uh, no, it's three to one for Mary Tyler Moore right now. Uh, Carissa, are you able to live with this?
2: I mean, I just want our listeners to know. That there was somebody on this panel that <laughs> <laughs> fought really hard and made the arguments for the things that everybody else agreed with who wasn't on the panel. And, Krista,
0: and I make, feel for you, you I am in your it. seat all the time. <laughs> that is true.
3: That is true.
1: So true. And I will tell you, I very briefly thought, like, well, one's a sitcom, one's a comedy, maybe we name two. But I'm not going to do that. I only do that in like very, very few instances, and that's not going to be this one. So there you have it. Our pick for the best TV series finale is The Mary Tyler Moore Show. Do you agree? Do you think we need to join Tony Soprano for a meal at a diner? Tell us how you really feel by leaving a comment on this episode at greatpopculturedebate.com or find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or YouTube. While you're there, make sure you subscribe and follow the podcast so you can hear about what new debates are coming soon, vote in open polls, and even decide which topics we tackle next. I want to say thank you to my panel. You all get a surprise renewal for another sure-to-be-unfulfilling season. And thank you for listening. If you loved what you heard, please consider supporting us on Patreon, where you get even more exclusive content and you get episodes a whole day early. We hope you had a good one. And remember, everyone is entitled to their wrong opinion.
4: Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.
1: It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash.
4: Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say.